Eagles football. WENJ, WENJHD, Millville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Hill. It's time for Football at Four with 97.3 ESPN.com's Andrew DeCecco. Powered by InsideTheBirds.com. He's in. Touchdown. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. All right, let's get into it. Sports Bash Live. Football at Four, powered by Inside the Birds. Andrew DeCecco, 97.3 ESPN.com. Inside the Birds.com. A lot of Eagles, NFL. You know, the NFL talking about mini camps possibly coming back. We'll get into all this. And more during Football at Four today with Andrew DeCecco as he joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. And one guy who was uh, interesting over the weekend now, Bros, did you see Rieger fire back at Skip Bayless this weekend? I did. He actually pinned the tweet to his profile. At the top of the uh, Twitter page. Just a subtle little jab back at him. Now, Bayless went off basically saying that uh, he was mocking the pick because no mock drafts had Rieger going that high, and that's why he was kind of mocking it. And Rieger basically, somebody had said, hey, Bayless is an idiot, and Rieger just kind of put the okay sign up over Bayless, pinned it to the top of his page, and then Rieger's mother got involved. You see this? Ooh, I did not see the mother. Oh, yeah. She got involved. So apparently Rieger has a history of, like, people calling him out and then him kind of saying, all right, I got you. A little MJ mentality. Yeah, did you hear MJ? Apparently there's audio of him saying that he did not want to play with Isaiah after he said he never said that. Yeah, that was actually in the headlines, but we never got to it. But yeah, that's wild stuff. Although, not shocking at all. Man, MJ's really taking a a beating with his... Uh... Listen, it just defends my, uh, my thought process on the whole MJ thing. The obsession is real. All right, let's bring Andrew DeCecco in. Football at 4, powered by InsideTheBirds.com, here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Andrew, what's going on, man? How was your weekend? Oh, it was great, man. It was good to kind of enjoy some nice weather for a change and, uh, you know, kind of relax a little bit. How about how about you guys? I know. I got a text message from Andrew on Saturday asking me for an update on my IPAs, and I just started firing <laughs> pictures back at him. He couldn't keep up with them. Well, I was in the same boat because you just kept sending them too, and I'm like, I was Damn, coming at you good. with seven different types of smoke. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. It was good, but uh, a lot happened over the weekend. A lot centering around Jalen Rager, and I know uh, that was a topic of you and Mosh over at InsideTheBirds.com. I saw Pro Football Focus uh, ranked the rookie wide receiver situations for this season and had him ninth on the list of 10th in terms of the best situations. But I'm interested to hear from you. What kind of role do you see for Jalen in his rookie season? Well, if you can remember back to 2008 when Deshaun Jackson was kind of thrust to a starting role when Kevin Curtis had that sport tourney that he was dealing with, I, th- I can kind of foresee Jalen Rager having a similar type of uh, impact on the offense. Obviously, Deshaun had, si- had 62 catches for 912 yards. Um, so I don't necessarily think that Jalen's going to have that kind of impact. But, I, I, you know, Jeff and I did that piece today where we kind of predicted his output um, for his rookie season. I had him at 55 catches for 750 yards and five touchdowns. I think that'd be a tremendous rookie season given the shortened off season and and kind of how how tough it is as a wide receiver to get behind, uh, to kind of get the ball rolling as far as learning the offense. Now, 
do you look at him as with Jackson in front of him, kind of curbing him, or do you think they will use them together and kind of complement each other? Well, the cool thing about Jalen Rager is that I think that they can complement each other. I think he can complement what Deshaun Jackson brings to the offense. And with Jalen Rager, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to – he doesn't line up in one spot, and that's it. He can move around formations. I think the Eagles can be very creative. You heard Jeff on Inside the Birds on the, on the podcast that came out uh, yesterday. They're going to find a lot of creative ways to get him the football. So I think you're going to see him – they're going to take advantage of his ability to create yards after the catch on screen passes, jet sweeps. Um, obviously, the vertical element that he brings to the table, and then I think you know you'll see him work all three all three you know sections of the field, which he's proven to do very well at TCU. So I, I think they'll, they'll they're not going to have a hard time getting him the football. On InsideTheBirds.com, you compared him to Freddie Mitchell. Tell us more about what you see in him that reminds you of Freddie. Is that a good thing? Well, I didn't, I didn't compare him to Freddie Mitchell. When I was looking at the type of seasons that um, Eagles receivers that were drafted high in the past, I said Freddie Mitchell had 21 receptions. Um, Nelson Aguilar had 23 receptions in 2015. But then I went on to say that I think that Jalen Rager is going to, you know, completely have uh, completely dismantle, you know, that, that notion that rookie receivers can't make an impact in the Eagles offense. And I compared him to Deshaun Jackson, the season that he had in 2008. And the, the fact that I, th- I feel so strongly about that is because you can find so many different ways to, to get him the football. He's an explosive talent. I think the Eagles are going to take full advantage of that. Andrew DeCecco, football of four. You know, Rieger's another guy where I think that they use him all over the field, and Jackson kind of stays in one spot. Like, they can move him. He can play on the outside, be in the slot, do the jet sweeps. It feels like, I don't want to call him a gimmick player, but that he will have – much more manufactured ways to get him the ball. That's why I feel, you know, this ranking of him number nine in situations isn't really fair. Uh, I feel that he's going to have a much bigger role than some people are giving him credit for. Yeah, absolutely. Ninth is, is way off base from where I have him. I think he can be a top three rookie uh, rookie wide receiver in the uh, this upcoming season. And if you kind of look at what Debo Samuel did last season for the San Francisco 49ers and the, the myriad of ways that, that, uh, that Kyle Shanahan got him the football, I think you can see something similar with the, with the Eagles offense and how they use Jalen Rager. Yeah, and another thing, too, um, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, I know, I feel anyway, I don't want to say I know, I feel that you're a little bit higher on his second year. Now, I agree, I'm not writing him off. I feel that he has an intriguing skill set that could complement both Jackson and Rieger. Yeah, I think one of the common misconceptions about uh, that, that fans sometimes have on players is they, they're quick to write them off after one season, and you have to really take into account everything that, that that player, that rookies in general, young players, that they're up against. And a lot of times, you know, it's, they're, it takes them a little bit while, a little longer to kind of grasp a playbook. Maybe maybe they didn't, they didn't run an expansive route tree in college. Maybe they were dealing with injuries, like in J.J.'s case. J.J. said he went into each week not really knowing what his role was going to be. So I, th- I think that coaching can sometimes play a part in it. Obviously, the player needs to take into account, you know, needs to be accountable and, you know, catch the football when, when you're given these opportunities. But I think that, you know, not just at wide receiver in J.J.'s case, I think young players in general – are kind of written off sometimes a bit too quickly before they really have a chance to kind of flourish. What can we expect from Greg Ward in the slot? Is there really any threat at that specific wide receiver position? Hmm. 
Well, uh, Greg Ward's, like you said, he's, he's primarily a slot receiver. Uh, anybody who's kept up with my work since 2017 knows that I've been a big advocate of Greg Ward in his game. I, I like what he brings to the table. The thing with Greg Ward is that he's not ex- exceptionally fast. He's he's more of a uh, an elusive guy. Uh, you know, he he he's more he's not a vertical threat at all. He's more of a horizontal threat and. You saw what you saw him kind of, you know, build for the, the the consecutive years on the practice squad. You know, he would try, he would he would come so close to making the roster, and you know, he would be on the practice squad, and he would give team he would give the first team offense good looks during during the week, and he kind he kind of saw the um, his ability to absorb everything that was th- that was thrown at him over the past couple of seasons. Because when he went out there, he was he was fully prepared to go out there and, and execute um, what the offense what his responsibilities were. Um, I think that now that you have so many different, you know, components to the offense, Greg Ward gets bumped down uh, significantly down the receiving uh, depth chart. So he'll probably be the, the fifth or sixth guy. But, you know, having a guy who, who is your leading receiver on a playoff team um, as your sixth receiver, you're in a much better spot, obviously. Yeah, Ward, I find it's like he, he's an interesting um bill for this team because it's almost like he did such a good job in that slot that you're almost like well you're not going to move him out of there but if you're having Rieger and let's say JJ you know is a second round pick and they like what they see from him and then he's out there obviously Jackson would be out there the guy the interesting thing would be do you go more 12 personnel and use Goddard and does that hurt Ward you know what kind of how big of a role can Ward have if JJ actually comes around. That to me is an interesting something to watch during training camp. Is if JJ does exceed expectations, whose time does that hurt more, Ward or Goddard? Well, certainly it's not going to hurt Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard is has the potential to be a top ten tight end, and working with uh, Zach Ertz, to, they pretty much have the the top two tight end tandem in the NFL. So I think it's going to hurt Greg Ward, who, let's face it, he's going to have an uphill climb to make the roster. And if he does, he's going to be, you know, the sixth receiver on the team and possibly an active on game day. He's really going to have to show that he can, you know, kind of prove his worth on special teams this year because they've added competition to the receiver position. So he's certainly going to have to scratch and claw his way onto the roster once again. Is it crazy to say right now, at least, and if everyone stays healthy, that there's almost too many weapons on offense? I mean, right now we are trying to dissect how to get everybody on the field. <laughs> well, I don't think you can have uh, – there's a such thing as having too many uh, offensive weapons, Hunter. You look at last season and they had they, – it's kind of the tale of two, uh, two seasons, really. They had literally no weapons last season, uh, you know, save, you know, Miles Sanders and, and the tight ends. But now – they have a lot of weapons, which is great because now Carson Wentz kind of gets to you get to see what he's able to do. He threw 27 touchdown passes with with minimal weapons last season, and you know, like I was saying on the show last week, 38 to 40 touchdowns suddenly becomes a realistic possibility with the weapons that he has at his disposal. Andrew Dechecko, football four powered by InsideTheBirds.com. Let's look at uh, you know the uh, running back spot here. You wrote on our website 97.3ESPN.com about the. Uh, running back spot. There's been a lot of reporting about a veteran running back. Carlos Hyde signed last week with Seattle. Over the weekend, Devonta Freeman, who had an offer by the Seahawks, he turned it down. One year, $4 million was the report. I don't see any way the Eagles spend. Adam Kaplan has said they don't want to spend more than the veteran minimum. Do you anticipate that the Eagles will end up going to camp with the running backs that they have, or do you think Ultimately, there will be a veteran here. 
Well, like Jeff and Adam have said, you know, there, there's names, and then the Eagles have their number. And if the player's not willing to meet that number, they're certainly not going to go out of their out of their budget and, and go and get one just for the sake of adding one. So the way I see it right now, I think they're going to go into training camp with who they have on the roster. And I really do feel like they – like, obviously, they're really high on their undrafted free agent class. They brought in Elijah Holyfield at the end of last season. So he's had, you know, at least five months to understand the playbook and kind of really, uh, really understand what the Eagles are looking to do. Um, and and uh, Mike Warren's a guy that I spoke about last week. Mike Warren, you talk, he, he left college a year early. He had uh, 3,000 yards of production over the past two seasons. And he was going into this season, he would have been one of the best running backs, top running backs in the, in the country. So I think they got a great value there with him. And he has a lot of untapped potential because he had 51 receptions in his career at Cincinnati. And he started out his career as a, as a return specialist. So he's a little bit more than a bruising, than a bruising running back that, that his size would indicate. Um, he's got... Very nifty feet, good vision, and that contact balance that I was talking about. He stays on his feet and he makes guys pay after the as, as he makes his way through uh, through contact. So um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be you know and heav- heavily uh, he'll be in contention for a roster spot. It seems very possible now that there might be camps in June. So how do you feel like this could impact the entire league with undrafted players and even more? Well, it's great news for everyone, but especially undrafted players, which where every opportunity, you know, kind of is magnified. You know, you don't get a whole, you, you don't get a, a lot of opportunities as a young player, so you have to really make the most of them. So I think that they're the biggest winners from this whole thing. Um, you saw the number, you saw the, the the scheduled dates, the hypothetical dates being June fifteenth, which I feel is a long shot, but June twenty seventh suddenly becomes a realistic possibility. So um, I guess they're gonna, you know, they're kind of they're trying to find. Um, they're trying to find a, an actual date, but you know the coronavirus uh, are restricted by uh, there's there's restrictions with the coronavirus in various states. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, PA being one of them, where the Eagles uh, are one of the teams that aren't allowed. I guess with Jersey opening up today, do we anticipate seeing the Eagles do uh, something that you know a lot of these teams are starting to do? With Tampa, Tom Brady's out. Do we see the Eagles, you know, finding a high school field and? jersey somewhere and starting to chuck it around a little bit to get your guys like john hightower quez watkins uh mike warren out on the field you know i i think that that's certainly going to be that becomes a realistic possibility now and i think you know it may be like after another week or so of, of these virtual meetings i think you're going to start to see more and more teams do that and you know as you, know, you, you see you know that carson Wentz has, has historically been a player who likes to kind of get his offensive guys get them all on the same page get that work in and i think that that's something that you could realistically see in, in the next in the next couple of weeks here uh brandon graham has said he thinks that the eagles uh have an advantage over the rest of the nfc and that's what the whole fact of um their coaching staff is coming back you know they have the full coaching staff they have that which no other team in the nfc east really has but doug peterson did say last week he did admit he texted sal palantonio uh andrew that it's really hard to build team chemistry virtually like over a computer uh that it's hard to do and i guess the one question is one of the things the eagles did this all season was they tried to add a lot of speed with skill position players so even with the same coaching staff, I do still see that it's difficult to try to incorporate all these young receivers to this offense if they can't get grass time, which is the word that Peterson used. Do you not? Do you think that's that is something that is not being taken under consideration when people talk about? Well, they have the same coaching staff, but yeah, they brought in what five new receivers. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think that's a big problem across the league, not just, not just with the Eagles. And if you saw, you listened to uh, the Doug Peterson's press conference last week where I guess the best way that he could really kind of get a gauge of where his players are at is he would tell his position coaches to kind of get feedback from each player, you know, a few sentences, you know, as to where they're at in their development and, you know, report back to them. And that's really all you can do, you know, virtually. There's, there's always so much you can do. But I, I think that, you know, not having that grass time significantly impacts, you know, you're going to start to see, you'll probably see some teams, probably all the teams are going to start out the season um, pretty rusty, not having that, that, those, that extra, you know, classroom time and, and, and grass time, like you said. The Eagles definitely have an advantage with the coaching staff, but how do you think the whole Dak Prescott contract conver- conversation and the drama surrounding that can affect the Eagles' chance of winning the NFC East? Well, I, I think it can only help, it can only enhance their chances of winning the NFC East. Obviously, uh, I, I, I do feel that the Eagles are a superior team on paper. That obviously has to play out on the field, but that's anytime you have any kind of like this distraction like that going on amongst a division rival, I think that certainly. Plays, it plays in favor to, to the Eagles. And, you know, you, you see you have, uh, you have a lot of people that are in Dak's camp that, that feel that he should be getting paid uh, for, his, for, for you know, what he's done so far in his career. And then you also have some that, that still want him to, to, you know, prove a little bit more out there. So I think that, you know, when you kind of have that, that potential friction amongst, the, you know, a division rival, I think that, that can only help the Eagles. And you wonder how much of an impact, you just mentioned friction and stuff on the division rival, how much of an impact is this Dak Thing going to have. I mean, there is no mini camps or anything going on right now. But if this starts to linger, um, obviously that might change a little bit. But I mean, how much of an impact do you think Dak not being signed right now has on the season? Well, I, th- I think it has a big impact on the Cowboys because right now, you know, there aren't any workouts. It's all everything's done virtually, so that's really all they have to talk about. That's all that every anyone you know in there and um, around the team is talking about. So I, I think that, you know, as that kind of dark cloud looms, I think that you'll, you'll really see the – I think it's going to negatively impact the Cowboys from a, from a distraction standpoint. Dak is very interesting. I mean, what is your personal opinion on him as a quarterback? Do you think that he is worth the money to, to keep him satisfied in Dallas? Like, if you were writing the check, which way would you lean? I'm not so sure that I'd be willing to spend, you know, what he's asking for. Do I think he's a good quarterback? I do think he's a good quarterback. I think there's there's certain areas of this game that that he there's certain aspects of his game that he does very well. Uh, do I think he's better than say uh, Carson Wentz? I don't. I think, but I think it's closer than people actually give it credit for. All right, football four powered by Inside the Birds. Andrew DeCecco is with us here as uh, we're looking uh, some of the things that are happening with the Eagles to this off season, uh, and then of course uh, the NFL, which by the way. Um, we talked about a little bit, but uh, the restrictions on pro teams uh, are now being lifted. So you're going to start seeing the f- possibility of a mini camp. So I guess I, the next question would be, is the anticipation just, you know, covering the league and, and you know, what we know, do we anticipate things kind of starting off training camp as normal uh, exhibition games kicking off in August without fault problems? Uh, are we starting to feel better about that? Well, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Obviously, you know, uh, Brown Center J.C. Treader came out and said, you know, he essentially said, you know, to kind of, you know. By the way, he's the, the president the of the NFLPA for the people who don't know who he is. Go ahead. 
Yeah, well, he kind of he uh, earlier this afternoon, he kind of said, you know, our union has not agreed to any reopening plan, you know, any reports coming back to work are hypothetical. So, you know, I, I guess as you see new developments, then things become a little bit more clear. But as of right now, you know, everything is kind of hypothetical and, and fluid. Right, because the states, I guess you still have Pennsylvania, California as two that need to still mm-hmm. kind of open up. Now, I guess those states could or those teams could essentially go to a neighboring state. Uh, Philly could come over to New Jersey and find a spot. California can, you know, uh, head over to a neighboring state. So it wouldn't be the biggest um, block, but it sounds as if, though, the NFL is saying, hey, we missed these mini camps. Let's make up for some lost time and get some June yeah. mini camps in here, which, you know, I think if they you start to see June mini camps, that might be the precursor for the next step possibly being playing games in stadiums, who knows how many fans are in there, but it sounds like the NFL wants as much normalcy as possible. Yeah, that's kind of what I gathered as well, Mike. And like you said, California is going to be the biggest hurdle in kind of determining when they're going to ultimately hold these camps. And you saw two you know, tentative dates in June 15th, which I like like I was saying, I, I think that's uh, they're a far cry from that. But June 27th might be realistic for many camps. All right, uh, and the NFL did say we're not putting any dates on a potential return. As you mentioned, J.C. Treader, they've not agreed to anything, but you definitely feel better, especially with the NBA and then the NHL. If they're out there doing some things, the NFL is certainly not going to want to be upstaged by anybody else. Uh, Stephen Ross, by the way, uh, Andrew, as you know, the NFL owner for the Miami Dolphins, he said the NFL will definitely play. The only question is if we'll have fans. So that's the way the owners in the league are feeling at this point. So I guess uh, it's starting, you know, we're starting to get excited about the possibility of sports coming back. It's football at four powered by inside the birds.com. Andrew DeCecco was with us on Tuesday. He'll be back on Friday tomorrow. Jeff Mosher is in Adam Kaplan on Thursday. And he like all guests appeared via the boardwalk Honda hotline. Andrew, thanks pal. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, he'll be back Friday, and uh, good insight on Jalen Rieger, also the running backs uh, situation, uh, at A. DeCecco NFL on Twitter. Give him a follow there. Speaking of the NFL, that poll question is up to all football fans. What do you prefer, NFL only, college football only, or I love both? What do we got? We have 51% say NFL only. 5.4% 5.4% say college football only, and 44% say I love both. Interesting. So no fans are just college football fans, essentially. But I think that's because of the area we live in. Right, right? that but was that, to but, be expected. But what that shows is that there are plenty of people that do love NFL and college in this area. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I guess... I don't know that if you ask those people, though, who's your favorite college football team, that they might not have an answer. Probably not. It's more of a, I enjoy watching it because I love football, but I'm not diehard, intense fan. Right. I wonder how many people, 609-403-0973, 609-403-0973. If you are a college football fan listening, do you actually have a favorite college football team? Text in your favorite college football team, or are you just a fan of college football? You don't have a favorite team. Like, I can't stand watching the Big Ten. So boring. Can't stand it. Michigan versus Ohio State, you're out on? Out. Don't care. It's one of the best rivalries in sports. No, it's not. It's the hammer and nail. Ohio State kicks the crap out of Michigan every year. 
Yeah, but it's not about who actually wins. It's just about the hatred of the two teams. Hasn't been a competitive game in quite some time. I like well, good it's, games. It's it's not dumpster fire games. I, I mean, the Big Ten's just a lot. I mean, it's gotten better, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. The brand of football is a little blah. Well, people would argue, and I'm not one of them. I, I love all college football and I love all the styles, but there's a lot of people that don't enjoy the Big 12 because of the no defense. I don't love the Big 12. I'm stuck watching the Big 12. <laughs> I don't like the fact that my school got stuck going to the Big 12 because the Big East fell apart, but... Yeah, I agree. I don't like the the no defense in these 55-48 games. They're not fun all the time either. But, uh, no, I mean, I think a lot of the college football fans, people listening in our audience, I wonder if they have a favorite team. 609-403-0973. What's your favorite college football team, or do you not have one and you just like watching college football games? Penn State, Notre Dame, a lot of the old school, like Miami fans out there, will uh, read off some of those on the other side. Plus, Ask Mike and Broads is coming up. 609-403-0973. The text board is open. 609-403-0973. Ask Mike and Broads. Oh, the MGPT Top 5 at 5. This one is going to be interesting today. All right? A lot of choices here. The best, your top five championship teams from the 90s. Any sport. Five favorite championship teams for the 90s that you just like that season. You liked what they did. Could be NHL, NBA, baseball, football. 90s champions. Top five. Tonight's MGPT Top 5 at 5. Coming up. ESPN mobile app powered by First Bank of Seattle. They are Cape May County's lending expert. Banking for your everyday life. First Bank of Seattle. Find out how they can simplify your banking needs. Your partner since 1888. Member FDIC. Equal Housing, lenders, sports bash, Mike Hill, Broads, Ask Mike and Broads. Use the hashtag Ask Mike and Broads. And uh, we'll answer your question on the uh, sports bash here on 97.3 ESPN. Uh, And, of course, we do it every day at this time. We'll do it uh, right now as it's another edition of Ask Mike and Broads. All right, what do we got? All right, so Sean Fitzpatrick chimes in and asks, how, as sports fans, will we be able to come to grips with watching games without seeing fans in the stands? Now, he kind of broke it down a little bit in, in his perspective, and he said that he was watching some soccer, and it just felt like you were watching soccer at your local park, and then said he can't imagine watching a playoff basketball game or an NHL Stanley Cup game without anyone there. I think hockey is going to be a tough one because – you can see fans up against the glass a lot. But basketball, basketball I would though, say... you can th- Like, there's some arenas where they darken the fans out and you can't see... I mean, the one view is going to be behind the net where it's... I would imagine it's going to be a wall. I mean, you're not going to have bleachers back there. Visually, it would be weird, but I think in basketball, the fans have more of an impact than in hockey. Like, you can win on the road. Yes easier in hockey than you can win in basketball. Like basketball, they are actually a part of the playoff run. So 100%. that's why I look at it from a basketball perspective, and I think it's going to be an obnoxiously different vibe without them in there. Hey, look, no one will sit here and tell you that it's going to be a better scenario. This is not, in the words of Gabe Kapler, optimal. But it's better than the alternative of nothing. It is. And, and earlier in the show, 
We mentioned possibly some fake noise for the fans from a TV perspective. Would you be anti-playing something in the arena if it is in a spot where there's no other games going on? If there's only one game happening, well, they would you be against about, crowd noise? They talked about having like guest DJs because a lot of places play music anyway. Like, And I hate that. I hate when teams play music during the middle of the game and you got the guy playing music while the team's got the ball. But they're talking about doing something like that, having music playing during the game to have some sort of atmosphere. I'm not against it. What was I the actual think... question? What's that? What was the guy's actual question? The actual question was, how are we going to come to grips without fans being in these sporting okay. events? So the actual question, how are we going to come to grips with it? I, I, I think eventually you're just going to get used to settling in and watching the game. It's not going to be what you know. It's not going to be what you remember. But you're going to you're gonna find out how much you like competition. And I think the answer is going to be a lot for most of us because isn't that what drives us as sports fans? And not only just sports fans watching, but I would say majority of diehard sports fans like ourselves once played. So I would think it would be just the nature of us as competitors. Right. You're going to find out whether or not you like the whole all-encompassing part about sports or if you just love competition. But going from the player's point of view, you would think, though, that maybe the first couple minutes is weird of the first game or maybe the first couple minutes of the first couple games, but your instincts will come in and you will just be playing basketball at some point. Like, it's going to feel odd, no doubt, but if you're going to run a high pick and roll, your body just well, naturally runs that high pick and roll. Have you ever watched the Orlando Summer League? Yes. I would imagine this is going to be similar to what you're going to be looking at here. The Orlando Summer League, it, like, they don't have stands. There's no fans, really. You hear the squeaky shoes? Yes, it's just like a pickup game. But, but it's, it's going to be NBA weird playoff. to see a pickoff game right as the NBA final. It's kind of interesting, no? Well, can they do it? And this is what has been asked a lot. Can they do it to where it's similar to the golf the other day, where you get more personalized stuff, you hear more interaction between the players? Would that compensate for... Covering it that way, would that compensate not having the fans and the whole theater experience? It's interesting you bring that up because I was thinking about would Tiger Woods ever be mic'd up the way he was if this was the Masters? And the answer is no, because the way that they're dialed in is different. Similar to there's been a lot of conversation about during the MLB All-Star game. The players have been mic'd up out in left field and shortstop, and they would have some goofy conversations with the play-by-play -play people while a ground ball comes to them. But if it's the World Series, you're never going to get that because you need to be dialed in. Same if you're up the bat, Mike Trout having some fun with, with the play-by-play -play announcers. You won't have that in a Game 7 of a World Series. So I can't see how they will have the, the goofy, fun conversation with the media people during an NBA Finals game. Like, you're not going to have LeBron making some jokes while trying to run a, an offensive set in Game 4 of the NBA Finals. I don't see how it's possible. Well, I, I'm talking about more like before the game or maybe during a timeout or stuff like that, not... Well, or, no, I, during those moments, yeah, I think you could probably get more personal. Or like in-game and then like when they come back from a commercial that maybe you're going to hear like, hey, this was uh, an exchange that you, you know, we caught in the last, you know, five minutes of the game. 
I think that's very possible. You also heard, I believe it was Brandon Graham talk about how fans are going to hear things that they don't want to hear. And there's going to be a lot of that. I mean, I'm sure they say ruthless stuff. I know in the NHL, I mean, they could be brutal. I would assume that's all sports. What if a lot of it, I mean, you even heard during the broadcast of the golf, a lot of times the microphone just went blank as if someone was probably saying, you know, words that start with that, that they can't put on the TV. You're going to have that a lot during these times. No, no. I Look, they're going to have to get creative. You know, the thought of pumping in crowd noise. But to answer the guy's question again is, I think it's going to take a lot of adjusting to kind of get used to it. But what's the alternative? You don't watch? Correct. I would say it depends on the sport. Baseball, I don't think that there's much much adjusting. I think I'll just fall in love with watching the slow-paced game because I don't think the crowd is that much of a difference. Uh, In hockey and basketball, there will be a huge adjustment period. But you're right. It's either you're not watching it at all or you have to live with not seeing people in the stands. Or you can do the sex doll thing and take a big fine. (laughs) You know, That's one possibility. It's one way to do it. Now, the next question. It was actually a no-name because it came in through uh, the Sports Talk with Broads text board, so I only have the phone number. But Uh, he's interested to know our thoughts on what if Carson Wentz doesn't end up making the NFC Championship game at any point under this current contract. What are you going to do afterwards? So for the rest of his contract right now, he will not reach an NFC Championship game. What do you do with Carson Wentz? Um, What are the circumstances? It's a hard question to know when I don't know what's going on, but how many years does he have left on the deal? Three or four? In that ballpark. So at the end of this deal, he would be around 30, 31. And you would say no NFC championship game. Well, I mean, again, was the defense crippled by injuries and in that he led them to the playoffs and they lost 48, 45? And he, you know, I mean, something like that. There's just so many variables to answer that question, but what is his health? How healthy was he during that run? Did he miss three games every single year? And that's part of the reason why they didn't get to certain seeding, all that stuff. And if that's the case, then they probably move on from him. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right when it's so much can happen. I mean, there's just so many issues. If you have the next four seasons of practice squad receivers, I mean, how do you blame the guy? You know, if if he's out there and he's healthy, but he's not able to elevate the team to win anything. What if he's making, here's one that's interesting. What if he makes the playoffs every single season, but they're not able to get to the NFC Championship game? So you are consistently making the playoffs You're just not getting the ultimate goal. Where do you look at him from there? Is he a guy that you say, well, he can't get us over the hump? Or is he a guy that's at least getting you in the conversation every year to get to that hump? I've always said when Carson Wentz, to me, is one of those quarterbacks that I just can't see a 5-11 season from. Like, I feel like he's always going to have you in the 7-9 to 12-4, 13-4, like, the worst team you are is just middle of the pack bad. You're not off the rocker bad because he's just a competitive guy who, you know, just won't allow the team to lose like that. That's a very interesting point. For them to be 6-10, and 10, something would really have to go south outside of Carson Wentz's play. Right. A lot of injuries, a lot of 
things that just aren't tied to his play would be the cause. So I guess both of our answers is there's just so much that is involved in this question that it's hard to answer. But, there you is. know, it, if if he's bringing you to the playoffs every single year, I will say this. If, if my scenario played out the way that I mentioned it, where the next three, four seasons, however many years is left on that contract, we are in the playoffs every single year. It would be hard for me to walk away from that at a player who's 30 years old because the NFL is now showing you could be 40. You could be 41. So if Carson Wentz is 30, I mean, I'm not going to say well, that Carson Wentz with his injury is that. But you could be 40 and be 41 if you're a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying, quarterbacks nowadays, more so than ever because of the way that they're protect, pr- protected, can play later in their career. Even, even if Carson plays till 37, let's say. That's seven more years that you are walking away from. He's going to be a tough one. Like, with the injury stuff. Let's see how healthy he stays over the next three seasons. Well, you mentioned what if he missed three games a season throughout this time. And I would say if Carson Wentz is playing 13 games every year for the next four years, I'm, I'm not even mad about that. I feel like that's that's fine. I mean, that's realistic. When you look at the sport, you can go down the list of a lot of teams where these quarterbacks play around 13, 14 games. I mean, that, that's kind of realistic, no? Yeah, yeah, but... Like we talked about with the backup quarterback, why it's become such an important spot because they're now counting that these guys aren't going to play full season. And as Howie Roseman said, hey, if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and the backup doesn't win a couple of games, they're not the number one seed. If they're not the number one seed, do they make it to the Super Bowl? I will say it's a bad look, though, for the Eagles to see someone like Joe Flacco sign for one and a half mil. Like all these backup quarterbacks that apparently would cost. The $30 million. Obviously, I'm being a little bit overdramatic, but none of it played out the way that the conversation was before the backup quarterback thing occurred. There was a report that the Eagles were actually interested in Flacco. Yeah, Adam Kaplan said the only reason why they did not go out and get him was because of that neck injury. Without that neck injury, it, it essentially would have been automatic he would have been here. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that that happened, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say Joe Flacco's make or break here, but I just think in terms of the backup quarterback market, it was nowhere near that $12, $13, 14000000 million backup quarterback that they might have thought or the conversation was prior to all this um, happening. Yeah, but hey, well, listen, that they I'm had signed, That they had signed in the past, right, like getting Nick Foles and signing him to and, and Chase Daniel and signing to that big deal. Matt Moore is still available, though. Someone you mentioned with Kansas City, and he did well. I mean, he's still available. I like it's, Matt Moore. I am not believing Nate Sudfeld is is who they're really believing in. Uh, that's going to be an interesting thing. Now with these mini camps getting Hurts out, possible mini camps getting Hurts out on the field, that could swing things because people felt, oh, Hurts can't get out there and, and show that you know he's in a battle because you can't get out in the field that you got to give it to Sudfeld because he at least knows the offense. Maybe that's not the case now. I think I looked at this Hurts thing. You know, look, it it is what it is. I'm here to support it. I want to see some trick plays. I want to see him on the field. Like, I'm here to support it because I want the Eagles to win. Whether I accepted it at the time or not, reality is he's here. But I will say where I think me and you differ is I, I think at this point in his career, and I'm just saying, like, right now, I'm not saying what he can be. 
I don't think the Eagles have backup quarterback in mind for him at this very moment for this upcoming year. Like, I just don't think that that's even a conversation really with where he is. I think would you're you right. Disagree? No, I think you're right. That hurts. Wouldn't, ah, uh, you know what? It depends on what time of the year it is. Are we eight games in? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm talking about right now. Here's the camp. Like, I don't think he's even really in that conversation. Maybe eight, nine games in, it's different. But now, I don't see it. Uh, all right, Sports Bash Live. Good stuff from the listeners again. Ask Mike and Broads. We'll do more tomorrow. By the way, statement from the 76ers that just came out 10 minutes ago. I have the update on that. Um, Commissioner Gary Bettman speaking now. Kevin Durso's been tweeting away. Many of the statements, Derso will join us at 5.30 tonight. The MGPT Top 5 at 5, the five best champions from the 90s. Now, I've had a tough time with this one. Not because, obviously, it just there were so many great teams in the 90s. They had so many dynasty-type teams. I had a lot of hockey on my mind, not going to lie. I might have some hockey on my list, too. Find out Ooh. tonight during the MGPT Top 5 at 5. Listen tonight at 5 p.m. for another MGPT Top 5 at 5. What will be number one? To see what Mike and Pete are ranking tonight. Got a topic? Text it in now to 609-403-0973. Only on the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. Though we're apart these days, we're sharing more. So at Geico, we'd like to say thanks. Thanks for sharing your savage dance moves. Thanks for sharing your DIY haircut fails. Thanks for sharing your inner lip sync star. Now it's our turn to share with the Geico Giveback, a 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies for current and new customers. Because we're committed for the long haul, the 15% credit lasts your full policy term. Visit geico.com slash giveback for more info and eligibility. Stay healthy in your home or office with help from the experts at Advanta Clean. Advanta Clean's available to clean air ducts, mold, mildew, and odors. They sanitize and wipe down your home or business so you can breathe easier. They handle fire and water damage, too. Franchise opportunities are also available. For a happier, healthier home or business, peace of mind is only a phone call away. Call 866-954-1313 for your free estimate. Or go to advantaclean.com radio. 866-954-1313 or advantaclean.com slash radio. Right now, you need dependable internet and endless entertainment. Xfinity has you covered with reliably fast speeds and advanced security included with the XFi Gateway, so your connected devices are protected. And when it comes to TV, Xfinity is your home for all your streaming apps, like Peacock. Plus, get contactless service visits and equipment drop-off. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Switch to Xfinity for reliable internet and access to your favorite apps right on your TV. To schedule your free contactless delivery, visit Xfinity.com or call 1-800-XFINITY. Restrictions apply. Ka-ching! New to PlaySugarHouse.com. Play real money slots and table games from anywhere in New Jersey. We have all the top table games you'll love to play, including Blackjack, Roulette, and Baccarat. You'll also love our huge selection of real money slots with online exclusives and your favorites from the casino. Log on to PlaySugarHouse.com or sign up today, and we'll match your first deposit up to $250. Start earning rewards today at PlaySugarHouse.com. PlaySugarHouse.com. Must be 21 or over to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. To learn another language, but every time I try, it never sticks. 
So I decided to give Babbel a try, and I really like the teaching method of the app. I started with the beginner lesson on Babbel, and it starts with simple words and phrases, and soon you're putting those words into a conversation. Each lesson takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and they're all really different, which keeps things interesting. The app is really smart. It actually keeps track of the words I'm struggling with so I can practice them and get better. I chose Babbel because it was created by real language teachers. They built it around real life, how people actually communicate, and what they care about. I can't wait to use my new language skills in the real world. Dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> With Babbel, get conversational in Spanish, French, German, and more. It just takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Right now, home sweet home has never been sweeter. Our homes are more important than ever, and finding people we trust to take care of them is just as important. For over 20 years, HomeAdvisor has been connecting homeowners with trusted local plumbers, electricians, roofers, and more. And now we're making it easier than ever for great pros to join the HomeAdvisor network. For a limited time, home service businesses can get $200 in free advertising. Visit HomeAdvisor.com slash Grow200 for details. That's HomeAdvisor.com slash Grow200. You're locked into South Jersey's number one sports radio talk show, The Sports Bash, with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN-FM. All right, bros, it looks like we got hockey back. The NHL just finishing up their press conference uh, just moments ago. And the details, 24 teams are back. What else uh, did we pick up from hockey will return? 24 teams competing for the Stanley Cup. We're going to have a little bit of wonkiness, but hockey will be back. So that we know. Hockey being back is always a fantastic thing. Now, one of the things that stood out to me the most, and courtesy of Kevin Durso here, who tweeted this out, Bettman says the league is currently in phase one. Phase two, which is returning to team practice facilities in small groups, will hopefully begin in early June, which is very positive news. But phase three, which is full training camp, will not begin prior to June 1st. So pretty much there's going to be a, a least at least a one month gap from phase two to phase three, which is a, a long period of time. What is this top four teams uh, round robin here? I. I'm a little confused. It, it seems like it's possible that whoever's in the, the top four of the East can battle it out and possibly win that first seed. Like, you're getting an opportunity to become the first seed if you're in the top four. Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I don't know why the 65 games that these teams play, you've basically said that don't they don't matter. It's doing something for... No reason. Like, this isn't necessary to get people back on the ice. Right. Durso tweeted this out 10 minutes ago. The top four teams, which includes the Flyers in the East, will play round-robin games to determine first-round seeding and use regular season rules and tiebreakers. So, essentially, you're going to get Flyers. Um, Who else is it? Pittsburgh, I guess, is uh, – no, Washington. No. No, it's the – because the Flyers were actually over it's Washington, Pittsburgh. Philly, Boston, and Tampa. That's They're exactly going to play a four-team round robin, and basically the winner of that round robin tournament would be the the one seed of the Metro and the one seed. I, I don't. Here's the thing. Here's the thing from a Flyers perspective. There's no way that this really hurts the Flyers. I mean, it's only a positive thing for the Flyers. Right. Exactly. No. No. By the way, 
they were only one point off of the lead in the in the Metro. They they got 89 and Washington's got 90. So it's not some now if I'm Boston, I'm pissed. I mean, I'm 8 points up on Tampa in the Atlantic. Why are you giving Tampa now a shot to, you know, usurp me and and that that's just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. There's no reason to do it. Now, here's the thing though with hockey. There's a lot of tournaments that have, and we talked about this when we were breaking down the Olympics the other day. In hockey, you play a ton of tournaments as Team USA and and Sweden and Canada. I mean, it is a very common thing from the age of 14 to play in these overseas tournaments when you play as your country. And in those tournaments, the way it's broken down is you have a round-robin play, which then sets up a, a, a postseason, if you will. So they're using a very similar structure that hockey players utilize growing up playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, Derso tweets that there will be two hub cities, one for each conference, no announcement, but these are the 10. Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Edmonton, Vegas, L.A., Minneapolis, St. Paul, Pittsburgh, Toronto and Vancouver. I'm a little surprised that there's three Canadian teams being considered for this. Well, the one thing, too, that stands out to me, there's a huge difference from Toronto and Edmonton. Toronto is like going to New York City, and Edmonton is like going to, you know, a a place all the way out there that not a lot of people live in. So it's not even like it, it makes sense to me. Well, they're going to be these bubbles. They're going to just live in these little hubs. I mean, that's it. There's not, you don't need to have anything going on. You could be at the Flyer Skate Zone. Yeah, but why would you choose? Like, if the U.S. is going to host things right now, I feel like you would stick away from New York City and go other places, no? Uh, yeah, I don't see New York as one of them. I mean, but Chicago? No, but I'm just saying Toronto is a huge city. That yeah, but I don't know it, if Canada is having the same problems that we're having. Well, that's very true. I just think the more people, the more opportunities for something bad to happen. I feel like I have not heard anything about Canada throughout this whole thing. Well, I think that's just because we're not, uh, maybe not as connected as we should be. Well, Durso joins us in uh, about a half an hour with the latest. He watched the whole press conference live. I got a statement from the Sixers, by the way. Following today's announcement by Governor Murphy... The Philadelphia 76ers training complex in Camden, New Jersey, will begin a phased reopening tomorrow for voluntary individual workouts. Players and essential staff will adhere to strict safeguards in accordance with NBA guidelines. The Sixers will be back, essentially, in some shape tomorrow. That's great news. Now, also... Walt Disney World will submit a proposal tomorrow to the Orange County Economic Recovery Task Force in Florida for a phased reopening of the resort's theme parks. Now, if the NBA is going to be going there to play games, is everything open as well? Like these theme parks, like all of this is going to be open? Uh, I think that Disney, uh, at least Universal Studios have been talking about opening soon. I don't know about Walt Disney World, but I think Universal Studios is talking about reopening soon. I know Disney World in Japan has opened, but very strict. But doesn't that defeat the purpose of putting these NBA players in well, that no, area? I mean, that whole wide world of sports is in a completely sheltered area. Oh, okay. It is very uh, excluded by itself. It's like its own little island over there, that wide ah. world of sports. Yeah. Okay. All right, when we come back, MTPT Top 5 at 5.